guardrails and home invasions. Literally on the road. of depression all my life because I'm not afraid or ashamed to say it. It's way it is and it is what makes me me. It is a part of who I am. I don't think of mental illness or as a disorder or a disease. It's just part of the way I'm wired. This may seem strange but frankly I don't think about it much at all anymore really. I really rarely even talk about it. As I've gotten older my time in the dark has gotten less and less frequent and intense because I've found very efficient ways to deal with it. That's what this podcast is all about. Dealing with and living a big, bold and beautiful life anyway. So if you're struggling, then come and walk with me for a while and I'll show you a different way. (coughs) Out of the darkness. Fake self-help. Let's start with what not to do. Number one. Stop reading fake pop psychology articles like 50 things or which you just see every day and 30 things to do before breakfast. These are articles that aren't crack. And <coughs> I believe that people posting these articles have one hundreds of thousands of followers and a rabid group of fans who just want a type of syrupy sweet nonsense rolling out, out of bed with their smartphone before running off to work. If you want to be super popular on social media, just tell a bunch of bullshit. And that sounds great, but really does absolutely nothing to make you healthy and happy. It also is the key on getting every bestseller list, getting quoted on Oprah, and tweeted by mega celebrities who sells products they don't use because they're pretty. They're pretty to look at, and they have a few million followers on Instagram. It's all a lie. Nobody does a bunch of things before breakfast. Nobody is constantly on top of their game, and nobody is pretty all the time. Nobody has fun all the time. So stunning girls on Instagram don't lose weight because of a detox tea. They lost it because they work out hard and they eat right. Or or meth, that's true. Or because they're 20 and their metabolisms are revving at 10% or 10 times what yours is. The faster you realize all of this, the faster you can start to heal yourself and live an authentic life, the life you imagine for yourself. It may seem like I hate these writers and celebrities, these white white widening pushers, but I don't hate all of them. Sure, a number of them are outright cynical hustlers, but many of them are probably sincere. That's the real problem. They are unwitting agents of delusion. That makes them the worst kind because they don't know they're creating a delusion. They believe their own lies and they think they're helping people. Hell, maybe they do it to help you every once in a while if you had just a bad day because someone yelled at you at the office or cut you off on the freeway. But that's not what I'm talking about here. 
I'm talking about the times when you wake up and you can't get out of bed and you feel like nothing will ever go right again and your whole life is meaningless. That's when those articles are less than worthless. They're actually even worse. They're hurting you. That's because what they're selling is the easy button and there is no easy button here. This is something you will deal with every day of your life. Just take a deep breath. That's the bad news. The good news is there are some powerful ways to actually deal with it instead of pretending you dealt with it. By reading some fake chicken soup for the soul knockoff. Dealing with depression starts with understanding. Know thy enemy. If you can shine a light on the darkness, the darkness disappears. So let's get to know our agnostic. The demon of depression. The killer inside of me. J.K. Rowling suffered with depression at different periods in her life, most acutely when she started work on her first book. That's how she came up with most of the terrifying creatures in the epic fantasy saga of Harry Potter. The Dementors. The Dementors are a living embodiment of depression. An interviewer once noticed and asked her whether they were a direct metaphor. Yes, this is exactly what they are. It was entirely conscious and entirely from my own experience. Depression is the most unpleasant thing I've ever experienced. It is that absence of being able to massage that you will ever be cheerful again. The absence of hope, that very deadened feeling, which is so very different from feeling sad. Sad, sad hurts, but it's a healthy feeling. It's a necessary thing to feel. Depression is spread different. Nobody has ever described it better. That's the nature of the demon. It's the absence of feeling. It's the end of hope. It's the feeling that nothing will ever be good or bright or wonderful again. Feeling like you'll never have anything but failure. You're not good enough for what you want in life and you'll never get it no matter what you do. The good news is this is all a lie. The bad news is it doesn't feel that way while you're in it. We're going to talk about some very hard things now, but please just walk with me a little longer, because the more you know about our enemies, the better you can be prepared for him. The most important thing to know is that the demon of depression doesn't care who you are or how much money you have. Or it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or somewhere in between, if you're famous or talented or totally talentless hack. The demon does not discriminate. He can comfort anyone at any time when they're high or when they're low. That means we're all in this together. Anthony Borden had everything. Money, fame, effortless, cool, powerful, inspiring friends, a best-selling book, a great job, fine food, and a life of travel and adventure. And he killed himself anyway. Let's stop for a second here and take a breath and try to understand what happened because it's super important. It goes to the very heart of the matter. And I really mean stop and actually take a breath or walk away from this podcast. If it's too hard to hear, please just take a walk and take care of yourself. But come back. Stick with me here. It will be worth it, I promise. Now, we never, we, now we will never know precisely what Kate said or uh, Anthony Bowden felt and thought at the very end. But I have a good idea because I've been there myself tuning of a shotgun in the early morning and the early hours of the morning tossing and turning and picturing all the steps I needed to end my life 
It's a horrible place that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. I don't know precisely what he thought, but I have a pretty damn good idea of how he felt and saw the world at that terrible moment of his life. Bolden's death hit me very hard, very, very hard. I had tears in my eyes as soon as I saw a poster from the early morning hours on my newsfeed, and it caught me in the middle of the morning. I just wasn't expecting it. Clicking through the newsfeed on my phone on the way to the bathroom, I cried on the toilet in the early morning twilight. I couldn't understand why. Usually news and celebrity deaths don't much faze me. People die every day. Powerful, poor, famous or infamous. Legend or nobody. So even if I loved that person's writing or music or painting or speeches, it never really bothered me at all. But Bowden hit me hard like a freight train. After a few days, I finally figured out why. Well, I had admired that man. Maybe behind the scenes he was some kind of asshole and a jerk, I don't, I don't really know. But even if he was, people are more than one thing in life. <clears throat> when it comes to me, he was one of the last people on earth that I actually looked up to a little. In a world of disputious politicians, gear-spewing, TV-talking heads and Instagram celebrities that will disappear like sand scattered on grass blown off by the wind, he was actually real. I loved his show and I and his recurring honesty, writing, and the way he thought about the world. He had a lot of things I wanted in life, and some of which I already had, and others I'm working to get. It made me question every single bit of it. I wondered if I was in my own trajectory. That's a good thing, because I was reminded of something very, very important. Never compare yourself and your progress to anyone but your own. I had managed to master that art with almost everyone on this planet but Borden and a few others still managed to make me look on with longing. Never again. I will never again look at anyone else's, what anyone else has and pretend that they have it all together and that they're happy. You can't know anyone else's inner life. It could be wonderful or it could just be a mess. The problem is that looking at it from the outside gets us nowhere because people show us only what they want us to see. From now on, I will only measure myself by my own yardstick, and I should do this, and you should do the same. I could take a moment to have some mess. <laughs> oh, that would help. Yeah. It's a cop. Nice. Oh, it's like security. You should just take seats because I can do this on the road. Right?
myself with my own yardstick and keep it the same. I measure myself by where I've been and where I'm going. Did I learn something new? Am I making a little bit of ground every day, even if it's only an inch? And if I fail, am I being gentle with myself while still having the discipline to get back up and join the fight again? These are the harder things that matter. It's okay. This was an incredible lesson to remember, and I will never forget it again. I compare myself to me and me alone. Trust the universe and the thing you are avoiding is the thing you need to do. There are a number of lessons to discover in Anthony's death, and I think we should look a little deeper. The second one is this. External success is not the same as inner success. Inner success is something very different and very precious. The thing you really want. One of my favorite authors. Correctness, 
state of the human and to arrive at it one must die of the flesh and be born of the spirit one life's energy formerly squandered by ego can then be turned to a higher purpose and the potentials of life in the magnificent amusement part of duality but how does one person who seemingly has it all become a beggar in spirit it can happen for a lot of reasons the biggest is that you go somewhere only to find that it's not where you wanted to go at all you wanted something so badly but it wasn't what you expected in other words you changed you went further down the river than you realized and you wanted something else entirely that's a huge blow and it often feels like there's no way out and you're stuck maybe you're in the wrong career and you married the wrong person or started a company only to realize you don't want a company maybe that's what happened to anthony at some point travel lost its luster he didn't want to go on another plane or eat another four-star meal or make jokes with a famous person. He wanted to be home and hanging out with his dogs or eating a plain old hamburger instead of a gourmet plate of tactics drizzled with truffle butter and lobster. Here's the thing though, life is change. The river is always flowing and moving and we are always changing with it. We are not the same people we were yesterday or the day before or the year before that. Eventually you might totally be different. And that means one thing only. You have to change once again. When we don't want to do something anymore, it's time to take action. The faster we take action, the faster we can move from our depression. That's a lot harder than it sounds, but it's the only solution that we have. The obstacle is the way we have to go through it not around it. We have to do something else. The problem is that we feel like there is no other path. What happens if we give up our livelihood? We, we will starve. What happens if we leave our significant other? We will lose all our money or never see our children again. The way through is to trust the universe. I've discovered time and again that the universe is not evil at all. There is evil out in the world, and evil people, and evil events, but the universe itself is working for us at all times. If we open ourselves up to it, we often can't see the path of the storm, but our job is to find the right path anyway. Our job is to take the first step, and then the next, and the next after that. And the way to do that is to trust. The more we do it, the more it works out, the more we trust. Let me give you an example. Long before, I love to draw. I love to draw now. I'm just gonna pause it for a minute. The obstacle is the way. I lost my spot. that we feel there's no other path. What happens is we 
give up our livelihood, we will we starve? What happens if we leave our significant other? Will we lose all our money and never see our children again? The way through is to trust the universe. I've discovered that time and again the universe is not evil and that he's evil in the world, but the evil people are there are evil people and evil events, but the universe itself is not. It's working for us all the time if we open ourselves to it. We often can't see the path of the stone, but our job is to find the right one anyway. Our job is to take the first step and then the next and the next. And the way to do that is to trust. The more we do it, the more it works out and the more we trust. Let me give you an example. I love to draw. I've spent every second I could drawing spaceships and monsters and aliens and when I got to high school I knew I wanted to go to art college. There was one massive problem. When I grew up there wasn't really internet. Blockbuster comic movies weren't going out to screens and even the video games didn't, definitely did not have mind-blowing graphics. That meant that I loved drawing things that would not get me a job. That might seem strange to you today because of sci-fi fantasies everywhere, but back then there was really only two paths, fine art or advertising, and I hate advertising. The idea of drawing an arrow to represent the company's growth made me sick to my stomach. Fine art was out too, because I wasn't going to paint a red canvas and pretend it meant something, or a bowl of fruit just to get into a museum, and so I quit for a long, long time. I stopped drawing altogether and I went to regular college for a while and I also quit that. I never drew anything again for years. It was the greatest mistake of my life. I failed to trust the universe to open a path for me and I, if I'd just gone to art school and taken a job that wasn't perfect but kept my drawing, my monsters and my aliens and my spaceships, I might be a famous artist today because today now I am actually fairly incredible. Oh, you fucking goddamn. No. <laughs> I just deleted it all. It got this not new button. Oh my god. Thank god there's an undo button. break the cycle of despair. It won't be easy, but 
taking real bold action breaks the demon and gets us moving again. We don't have to complete the whole process. Oftentimes, the things we need to do to fix our lives is just to get started. To make, to make, take days. It may take days or months or years. But just don't worry about the steps two years from now. Just do the steps that are right in front of you and forget the rest. As evil as an act said, I've learned not to worry so much about the outcome, but to concentrate on the step I was on and to try and do it as perfectly as I could when I was doing it. The third lesson in Anthony's death is learning to say no. Whenever I've taken too much and I start to lose it again, when I start to lose it, I know I've got too many plates spinning. We run around like crazy people, keeping all these plates spinning in our lives, from work to social obligations to children to meeting and nightlife and social media. It's exhausting and it's killing us. Anthony had too many plates spinning and that's obvious. Traveling around the world all the time, book signings, drinking and eating and drinking some more. Media, appearances, interviews, it gets overwhelming, I guess, even in short doses. I can tell you, I, I used to travel all the time. Um, after only three weeks, I want to be home in my backyard with my girlfriend and my cats and staring into the clouds with my phone far, far away from me. Most people never take, uh, most people never take time to slow down and just say no. I could be raising your hand for every t extra task at work is soon as your boss asks for volunteers or saying yes to school boards and soccer leagues and dance lessons and a million other things all at once and pretty soon it's not one glass of wine at dinner to cope, it's three. This is a path to disaster. Eventually it becomes too much and even worse it can creep up on us. We might be running around like a chicken with our heads cut off for weeks or months and then suddenly collapse into a heap of tears and despair. <coughs> The key is not to get there in the first place. If you do stop, pawn a task off on someone else shamelessly, you can pay them back later. Bow out of some school play, or have the kids take Uber to the dance for once. Call the neighbors and rope them into taking over the PTA. Or just simply say no, cut it, don't ask. Saying no is very liberating. In the book Spiritual Welfare, McKenna talks about one of his students, a mother named Lisa, who woke up one day and was sick of being a, a high-powered lawyer with the family and her no end, of her no end obligations in sight. She started, she taken to dreaming of, she taken to dreaming, oh fuck this thing, she taken to dreaming of her death only as a way out so she finally realized there was another path. She took her daughter and she walked out the door. The door was never locked, she just imagined it was. For Lisa though, it was what life was. Schedules and obligations and responsibilities and endless plates spinning act. For her entire adult life, that's all she had been doing, frantically keeping dozens of plates spinning and balanced on sticks like the old Vendabelle routine. Scurrying back and forth in a phenomenal panic, terrified that one might fall and smash adding more plates. Every year performing this music and performing this manic macaray dance, not for five minutes at a time, but 
every waking minute of every day for years on no end with no end in sight unless you just stop stop that is the key just stop learn to say yes to things that matter and no to things that do not and so much of the crap that we say yes to absolutely does not matter learn to tell the difference between and start seeing the difference in your own life I don't know I didn't know Anthony but I call him a friend I guess because he was a friend in spirit and the next lesson from his death is this let go of your past stop carrying it with you wherever you go because your present life is heavy enough you don't need all those ghosts of your past traveling along for the ride let me show you what I mean with the story of my own life. I remember a girl who teased me in grade school and made, made other kids laugh at me. She used to call me chicken legs. Looking back on this now, it's strange to think that it could ever even hurt me. It was pretty ridiculous. My legs aren't remarkable at all, but they're not too big or too small and certainly not disappropriately.
she'd had a very hard childhood, much harder than mine. Her parents hated each other and they yanked her around like a trophy in a vicious end of a war. Every day she went to school furious and full of spite. And she lashed out at everyone to feel good about herself because she hated herself and her life. I wasn't singled out for any special reason. I was just a random target in a wave of a wave of sorrow and rage. And she, like me, carried her childhood pain with her long after her parents split up. She married a man like her father and started a new cycle, battling with him and her own daughter in the crossfire. And one day she woke up and she changed. And she realized that one of the most important things in life we're not clones of our parents. We don't need to make the same mistakes they did. As the master sage, Kahel Gibran, once wrote, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, they, are, they do not belong to you. He could have just easily said, they come through you, but they are not you. And so, just like Lisa in spiritual warfare, she left her unhappy marriage and made a new choice. She stuck out on her own and raised her daughter by herself. While it was never easy, it was the right choice for her. And more than that, it was the true path to joy. When we realize we're not the prisoners of our past, then we have our own thoughts and bodies and souls that we can start to really live our own life. I listened to her whole story with tears in my eyes, and then I said three little words to her that made all the difference in the world. I forgive you and that's when I put my rock down for good and I left it there and I never looked back I'll probably surprise a lot of people right now and they're probably wondering if I meditate or do some kind of visual technique I don't not anymore at least I've tried all forms of meditation visualization mantras and more and you can meditate if you want to calm down and if it helps you unwind but that's all it really has to be. It doesn't have to be some past mystical understanding and enlightenment and beautiful calm. I've tried a lot of various self-help techniques and they have a lot of rabid adherents who will likely show up in this podcast comment section, but they don't really actually work. They are part of some of the same faith-like life hacks as all the rest. They might give you the illusion of working for a time, and you can sell a lot of books with the law of attraction, but you won't be getting a Lamborghini in your dream house by thinking about it for 20 minutes a day. You're better off just working for it. Humans love illusions. Illusions are really, really comforting. We imagine a secret technique that an ancient masters know. If we could only find it out, everything would flow easily and smoothly all the time. Enlightenment is an imaginary state that's for sale for everyone. It's the foundation of the modern world and the advertising campaigns. It's the foundation of every religion, whether it's promising the feeling now in the afterlife or a few lifetimes from now. Get this, buy this, buy that, own this, I am this, I am that. It's pretty people on billboards or on a stage selling you perpetual happiness. Happiness and sadness and depression come and go in cycles. Nothing lasts forever, good or bad. There's a way to avoid the darkness, so I've developed a few mechanisms to cope and deal with it. The technique is deceptively simple, but it's actually very hard to master and it won't work for every single, every single time you try it. Sorry, that's life, but 
does help a lot to alleviate the madness when your mind is swirling with fear and crazy thoughts and negative energies. Just do this. Stop and do nothing. Wait for a clear signal. And when you get a clear signal, move forward. Let me explain. It's not just enough to see the steps and sound a little like an, the opposite of what it was I was saying earlier. It just appears that way on the surface. The first one is the most crucial. When your mind breaks down and collapses on itself, it's like getting caught in a storm of delusion. This is the demon's playground. The thoughts are wrong and insane and negative and they are not real. They are nothing but a dark wind and they have as much substance as the wind. So the key here is not to listen to any of them. Do not get attached to any of them. Just find shelter and wait it out. Do nothing. Take no action that comes from these wrong and unclear delusional thoughts. And just like a storm, the thoughts will start to burn themselves out. The energy of the storm exhausts itself when you don't get caught in thoughts. Don't make any real decisions here. Don't quit your job. Don't call your ex. Don't jump off a bridge. Don't book a ticket to Europe. Do nothing. The storm will swirl. Let it exhaust itself. The second one is to wait for a clear signal. As the storm clears and the energy of the thoughts slow like a dying wind, you'll start to feel your own clear voice again. It's hidden in the storm and it's calling out to you, but you can't hear it in the chaos. Eventually it breaks through as the storm slows down and the voice is the one that knows your true voice. Eventually it will say something loud and clear like a trumpet blast and when it does come step three, the storm has passed and you have your next three and you have your next mission. <laughs> it could be simple as saying no or another to another pointless meeting or taking time with your friends and family on the weekend. It could be the time you it could be the time to quit your job or maybe yes book that ticket stop let the storm pass and once it passes then you need to listen and take action i've been using this technique for years and it's helped me battle all kinds of monsters eventually i got faster and better with it and the storms have kicked themselves out faster and that's what happens with practice it's just like anything takes time to master be gentle with yourself on as you work on it because you won't get it right the first time or the second or the tenth but keep trying and keep going finding what you love is the most important thing maybe the thing that helped me more than anything is writing the more importantly committing to my writing i know not everyone has a true passion or talent but that's not the point Everyone has something that gives them joy, even if they do it at an amateur level. <clears throat> Everyone has something, like some kind of refuge or escape from the world. Nurture that and never neglect it. Joy is found in returning to the things we love and again and again. It's better than sex or drugs or drinking or any substitute for joy. The meaning of life is not found in the famous old age question, what is the meaning of life? That is a universal question. Are you fucking stupid thing? <laughs> Why does it do that to me? Uh, I'm so close. I'm so close to being done.
the right question is what is the meaning of life to me when you stop trying to keep all of the plates spinning and stop trying to do everything the world tells you to do and you stop chasing fantasies of perpetual happiness then you can just live your life then you can find the joy of life which is spending time with your family and loved ones eating things that you like and making you feel healthy and sometimes eating something unhealthy and being okay with that too like maybe a whole box of cake exercising creating things writing talking walking recording painting traveling drawing spending time with children and animals whatever those things are for you find them when you stop worrying about all these other things it opens up the path to true meanings of happiness remember it's not a bad life it's just a bad day there's one lesson from our dear departed Anthony's death that I wanted to touch on it's the last lesson and it's not an easy one to talk about but it's an important one one bad day does not take away a lifetime of amazing I'm sure Anthony battled demon regularly and yet he did spectacular things he wrote a bestseller and traveled the world and met amazing people and he did all of these things and more then one day he didn't beat the demon but for me that doesn't take away all the days that he did he lived a life most people can only dream of and there's no way it was all bad impossible it was ups and downs and a roller coaster like all of our lives he took big risks and put himself out there in the public eye and he lived big nobody can take those other days away from him or from us i'm reminded I'm reminded of some famous lines from Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds can have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives violently, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and, no, and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms and great devotion, who spends himself a worthy cause, and who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while doing, while daring greatness, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never tried to know victory or defeat. If you're going to fail, at least fail while daring greatly. Take a chance and embrace life and open yourself to possibilities. The stakes are real and the stakes are high, but that doesn't make it not worth it. I have a Snoopy cartoon in my books printed from Reddit. I'm sure not. it's not one from Charles Stoltz. It's something someone photoshopped to inspire people and it, and it works. It's uh, in one of my books at home and I, I look at it almost every day as I comp contemplate life and the universe and everything. Snoopy and Charlie Brown sit together, the best of friends, sharing a late afternoon look at the sunset. Charlie says, someday we'll all die, Snoopy. And Snoopy says, true, but on all the other days we will not. And that's the thing, life. A lifetime of greatness and struggle against the darkness is not erased by one bad day. So you need to live and you need to fight and make your life a great story and adventure. The hero of a thousand faces is me and you. No matter what happens to me now, nothing can take away the life I've lived. 
Nothing can take away the things that I've done or drawn or wrote or imagined in the places I've been and the great loves of my life and the friends and the animals whose moments were mine. And I lived all of them. And if one day you find I'm no longer here and the demon got to me too, don't cry for me because on all the other days he did not.